Good morning, New York. Oh, good morning. Monday morning. Andrew O'Brien Matina. I just got back from Charleston. Went to quite possibly the fanciest wedding I've ever been to in my life. It was incredible, man. We went to uh, several different venues over the course of two days. The wedding itself was at the Lounge Grove Plantation, which is like this incredible venue. It's considered the number one, get this, it's the number one uh, wedding venue as uh, ranked by Venue Report in Charleston. The night before, we had a rehearsal dinner at the William Aiken House, which is considered number two on that list. And it's actually considered number one by Martha Stewart and Brides Magazine. It was incredible, man. It was black tie. And there's just something about that town. It's just such a magical place. I guess for me, it's just the juxtaposition of the low country against the Art Deco buildings with the pastel colors and the Victorian homes and the 18th century Georgian townhomes. And, you know, all the houses have like the piazza on the side with the double-heighted verandas and the white columns. It's, it's one of the few places where I can just drive around and just look at houses and I'm just having like the best time ever. It's just so incredibly charming. It's I love just I just love going out. It's only about an hour and a half on a plane from New York City, but it's uh, it's just such a it, it's just such a beautiful area. Like it's the South, but it's a like I'm from. I consider myself being from the South, but this is a different type of South. It's uh, it's just it's a d- totally different feel. I don't know how to describe it. It's um, you know, it just looks different. The, uh, the swampland, the, you know, the oak trees with the Spanish moss hanging down. A lot of beautiful plantations everywhere. It's just an incredible town. What am I talking about? I should, I sound like I'm selling Charleston. Maybe I should be selling Charleston real estate. Anyways, we had a great time. Uh, congratulations to Sean White. Gold medal. Half pipe. That was incredible, man. I didn't I didn't know he still had it in him. Come back after all these years, his fourth Olympiad. Like a kid, you'd think that he couldn't do it anymore. Like he's so, he's like the older he's like the old geezer in the sport now. Up against all these young kids, you know. Probably just like totally fearless. And here's Sean White. He's probably He's got like all the scars of like an old hockey player. Like he just smacked his face a few months ago in training. Had to get like a thousand stitches. You think times have changed, but he gets out there and he lays it down on his final run. And he pulls it off. It's just incredible. So congratulations, Sean White. I love snowboarding though. It's a funny sport. You know, when you watch them, like the announcers are so funny, right? Because I don't know anything that's really happening. I just kind of, I just, to me, it looks like they're just flipping around. But you listen to the announcers and it's like, oh, oh, 1440 backside rodeo. Oh, double McTwist, stale fish, 1260. And it, it all looks the same to me. Is that what that was? I have no idea what that stuff means, but it was still fun to watch. I was watching his uh, Instagram stories afterwards like he went back to Seoul and was just kind of hanging out in Seoul you can you know he's just like 
could tell he was just living it up. Just he was walking around with his gold medal, going to doing all this cool stuff, you know, like going to all these fun places. One of the places that he and his, uh, I guess like he was with his family or his team or whatever, and they all went to this one spot, and they ordered like one of those plates of like live octopus where the little tentacles are all moving around like it's still alive and it's got like a like some soy sauce that comes with it like dude i don't when you just see that like on you know on an instagram story it just it's like but i think if you're there and you're you know you're just like in the moment you might you might do it i think i might do it exposure is key so congrats, Sean White. Good job, man. And now I'm going to talk to you guys about the real estate segment of the podcast. We're going to talk about co-broking, why it's important, and why it can save you money if you're a seller, and why it's good even if you're on the buy side. Or and this works, it's the same concept is the same if you're a landlord or if you're a renter. Co-broking is a very simple yet very crucial practice uh, in real estate. Co-broking is when two brokers, one who represents a buyer, one who represents a seller, come together to complete a real estate transaction. Any agent from Douglas Elliman is going to co-broke. And the reason for that is that we belong to Rebney. Rebney, the Real Estate Board of New York, unites more than 17,000 talented, influential real estate professionals as it works to protect, improve, and advance the business of real estate in New York City. Rebney was created in 1896 as the state's first real estate trade association. It works on behalf of the mutual interest of its members by promoting public and industry policies. So there you have it. If you want to be a real estate agent and work for a reputable firm like Douglas Elliman, Corcoran, Brown Harris Stevens, Sotheby's, Compass, etc. You have to be a member of Rebney. And being a member of Rebney involves adhering to the Code of Ethics, which protects the interest of buyers and sellers. One of the things that Rebney requires from its agents is that they cooperate with each other. This means that we co-broke together. This means that we've made a promise to show each other properties that we have for sale or rent that we entertain offers from each other. That's very important. This means that an agent from Corcoran may be listing a house on the market for sale, and an agent from Douglas Elliman has a buyer that wants to buy the house, and will work together to make it happen. As members of Rebney, we make sure that your listing is visible to the brokerage community. There are thousands of agents at Elliman alone. We make sure that your listing is visible to not only our agents, but also the tens of thousands of agents from the other firms that are Rebney members as well. These are all the agents with quality buyers. You do the math. If you're thinking about selling your house and you're interviewing brokers, make sure to ask them if they co-broke. Make sure that they're a member of Rebney. And if they co-broke, Make sure that it's a 50-50 co-broke. This means that if you pay a 6% commission to your listing agent, that he is going to split 50-50 with the buyer's agent. That's 3% each. 
lot of sellers may not be aware that a lot of listing agents in the out especially in the outer boroughs in the neighborhoods in the outer boroughs the more underserved communities sellers may not be aware that those agents may not 50-50 co-broke meaning that they may only offer maybe 1 or 2% to the buyer's agent that's a very bad thing because if someone down the street has a house just like yours for sale but there's a 3% commission to the buyer's broker that broker may be incentivized to take his buyer to that house instead. You could be losing offers by hiring a broker who does not co-broke or who does not 50-50 co-broke. So I'm going to give you guys sort of a nightmare scenario to help explain the concept of co-broking or the lack of co-broking in this case. You're thinking about selling your house. You've interviewed a broker who you've agreed to work with, but you've made the mistake of not asking him if he co-brokes. Let's call your broker Jack. You've signed an exclusive agreement for Jack to sell your home. You've agreed to pay Jack 6% at closing. You give Jack the keys. Jack puts a for sale sign up in front of your house. And you're off to the races. Your house is now officially on the market. Now let's fast forward a week. Sally, who works for a different real estate firm, is driving down the street that you live on, sees the for sale sign in front of your house, realizes that it's the perfect home for her client, Diane. It's a two-family townhouse. It's on a tree-lined block. It's got parking, it's got a yard, it's close to all the schools that she wants to send her kids to. This house checks all the boxes. Sally knows that her client is willing to make a full ask offer on the house. So she immediately calls the number on the for sale sign and Jack picks up the phone. When Sally tells Jack that she's got the perfect client for the property, Jack tells Sally, I'm sorry, I don't co-broke. A few weeks goes by, maybe a few months. You call Jack and you ask Jack if you've received any offers or if there's been any activity on the home. And Jack replies, no, no offers, no activity on the home. And I think it's time we consider lowering the price. So why is Jack doing this? Jack is waiting. The reason that Jack is doing this is because Jack is hoping that a direct buyer will come along that he can make a full 6% commission on. Jack did not want to entertain Sally's offer because he did not want to split his commission with Sally. He never told you about Sally's offer and you have no idea that someone could have made the perfect offer on your home. So make sure that you hire a broker that co-brokes. Make sure that they're a member of Rebney. That's co-broking in a nutshell. We'll see you guys next week.